You can get this full audiobook for free on Amazon, by clicking on the link in the description. Is brought to you, by the book guide. At the time I first realized I might be fictional. My weekdays were spent at a publicly funded institution on the north side of Indianapolis called White River High School, where I was required to eat lunch at a particular time, between 12.37 p.m. and 1.14 p.m., by forces so much larger than myself that I couldn't even begin to identify them. If those forces had given me a different lunch period, or if the tablemates who helped author my fate had chosen a different topic of conversation that September day, I would have met a different end, or at least a different middle. But I was beginning to learn that your life is a story told about you, not one that you tell. Of course you pretend to be the author. You have to. You think, I now choose to go to lunch when that monotone beep rings from on high at 12.37. But really, the bell decides. You think you're the painter, but you're the canvas. Hundreds of voices were shouting over one another in the cafeteria, so that the conversation became mere sound, the rushing of a river over rocks. And as I sat beneath fluorescent cylinders spewing aggressively artificial light, I thought about how we all believed ourselves to be the hero of some personal epic, when in fact we were basically identical organisms colonizing a vast and windowless room that smelled of Lysol and lard. I was eating a peanut butter and honey sandwich and drinking a Dr. Pepper. To be honest, I find the whole process of masticating plants and animals and then shoving them down my esophagus kind of disgusting. So I was trying not to think about the fact that I was eating, which is a form of thinking about it. Across the table from me, Michael Turner was scribbling in a yellow paper notebook. Our lunch table was like a long-running play on Broadway. The cast changed over the years, but the roles never did. Michael was the artsy one. He was talking with Daisy Ramirez, who'd played the role of my best and most fearless friend since elementary school but I couldn't follow their conversation over the noise of all the others. What was my part in this play? The sidekick. I was Daisy's friend, or Ms. Holmes's daughter. I was somebody's something. I felt my stomach begin to work on the sandwich, and even over everybody's talking, I could hear it digesting. All the bacteria chewing the slime of peanut butter the students inside of me eating at my internal cafeteria. A shiver convulsed through me. Didn't you go to camp with him? Daisy asked me. With who? Davis Pickett, she said. Yeah, I said. Why? Aren't you listening? Daisy asked. I am listening, I thought. To the cacophony of my digestive tract. Of course, I'd long known that I was playing host to a massive collection of parasitic organisms, but I didn't much like being reminded of it. By cell count, humans are approximately 50% microbial, meaning that about half of the cells that make you up are not yours at all. There are something like a thousand times more microbes living in my particular biome than there are human beings on Earth, and it often seems like I can feel them 
living and breeding and dying in and on me. I wiped my sweaty palms on my jeans and tried to control my breathing. Admittedly, I have some anxiety problems. But I would argue it isn't irrational to be concerned about the fact that you are a skin-encased bacterial colony. Michael said, His dad was about to be arrested for bribery or something, but the night before the raid, he disappeared. There's a $100,000 reward out for him. And you know his kid, Daisy said. Knew him, I answered. I watched Daisy attack her school-provided rectangular pizza and green beans with a fork. She kept glancing up at me, her eyes widening as if to say, Well? I could tell she wanted me to ask her about something, but I couldn't tell what, because my stomach wouldn't shut up, which was forcing me deep inside a worry that I'd somehow contracted a parasitic infection. I could half hear Michael telling Daisy about his new art project in which he was using Photoshop to average the faces of a hundred people named Michael, and the average of their faces would be this new 101st Michael, which was an interesting idea and I wanted to listen. But the cafeteria was so loud, and I couldn't stop wondering whether there was something wrong with the microbial balance of power inside me. Excessive abdominal noise is an uncommon, but not unprecedented, presenting symptom of infection with the bacteria Clostridium difficile, which can be fatal. I pulled out my phone and searched human microbiome to reread Wikipedia's introduction to the trillions of microorganisms currently inside me. I clicked over to the article about C. diff, scrolling to the part about how most C. diff infections occur in hospitals— I scrolled down farther to a list of symptoms, none of which I had, except for the excessive abdominal noises, although I knew from previous searches that the Cleveland Clinic had reported the case of one person who died of C. diff after presenting at the hospital with only abdominal pain and fever. I reminded myself that I didn't have a fever, and myself replied, You don't have a fever yet.